back to 64, a chess podcast. I am your host, David Vizgon, coming at you live from Champaign, Illinois. My guest today is somebody I've tried to get on the podcast for a long time. He's a grandmaster, currently residing in St. Louis, a legendary Twitch streamer, uh, one of my favorite Twitch streamers in the past year, I have to say. Uh, also played in the Olympiad recently. Please welcome to the show, Grandmaster Benjamin Bach. How's it going, Benjamin? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me, David. It's a, it's a pleasure to be joining your podcast here today. So I have to be uh, straightforward with um, with my uh, listeners because this was maybe the most unconventional way I've ever landed an interview. Uh, and the story begins back in April 2022 when uh, Mr. Benjamin here was uh, doing, or as I should say Mr. Bach, as you know. Um, so Benjamin was doing streams uh, for Hikaru, uh, a lot of streams for Hikaru for the Grand Prix when Hikaru went on a tear to qualify for the candidates. And uh, Benjamin made a promise after one of the rounds that if Hikaru wins or draws some game that uh, he would like turn on the microwave on the stream and he never did it. And so I was outraged and I began thinking like, oh, this poor microwave, you know, it, uh, it's the star of your stream. And I decided basically, you know, I always wanted to make like a burner account uh, for chess Twitter. And I said, hmm, what would be the best way to go about this? And so I immediately decided to pick uh, Benjamin Box Microwave, uh, at Bach underscore Microwave. And probably a little creepy. Um, I can understand that. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. I saw it got a reaction. And every now and then I've just been making ridiculous microwave tweets, uh, showing some love to the stream and to, you know, everybody else and like Team Hikaru, uh, like Maria and, of course, Hikaru. And, um, and yeah, at some point you, uh, you followed me back this week after, after a long stretch. Uh, I know you spoke to my friend Trim in Amsterdam, also at TwitchCon. I think he he revealed my identity, but um, so I, I had to come clean to everybody. So if you ever saw Bach Microwave, that was actually your favorite podcaster, um, incognito. So identity revealed. How do you feel about that? Uh yeah. Well, I actually really enjoy you know the the fact that that people dedicate specific accounts to to support me. I mean, there's also the Benjamin Bach hype man. So I guess yeah. you two are kind of my two favorites account now on on Twitter. Especially, he's really, really dedicated. Uh, but I don't know who who it is to be honest. Uh, so I, I do feel I do feel honored because usually, like Magnus Carlsen has their fan page, or like Hikaru, or let's say Anish Giri. Uh, so I, I do find I do find it pretty cool. But yeah, to come back to what you were saying earlier, I have put on the microwave I think once or twice after Hikaru has uh, has won a game, never on his stream. You know, I, it I've was done never it on, on my his own stream. stream. Yeah, it was on your own no. stream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know people have felt have felt cheated at times. Yeah. And you're doing commentary right now for Hikaru while he's on vacation for the Seafield Cup, right? Well, that was only yesterday because he had a he had a very busy schedule. He was playing the RCC finals then in the St. Louis Rapid and Blitz. So I think he just wanted to take a couple of days off, but he did want to cover the entire Seafield Cup. So I was only on yesterday, and I believe he will be on today, and then we'll cover the rest of the tournament. I see. Yeah, th this is the first thing I really wanted to ask you because uh, you're 3,000 Blitz on chess.com. You're, I think, top 50 in the world in, in Blitz uh, over the board. So you're definitely a formidable opponent. And how did that, like, arrangement with Hikaru come about? Um, in just in Because I know that you've been doing this now for basically around a year. And uh, you guys must have been online rivals at some point. He's sung your praises about how great of a you know, resourceful player you are, puzzle, puzzle rush legend. So, um, like, how did that come about? Yeah, well, at some point, I believe it was in November, he sent me a message and he asked me if I wanted to join him for World Championship uh, commentary with the, the match between Magnus and uh, Nepo. And of course, yeah, I was very happy to to do that. Um, 
And after that, I did commentary for him when he played in the World Rapid and Blitz. Then I also did commentary with him on Tadasil Chess. And I covered the, the whole Grand Prix on his channel. So, yeah, I think perhaps he was just looking for a new new commentator because he was going to get back to over the board chess. And that's why he figured it, it would make sense to to ask me because, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a grandmaster. I can provide insights as to what is happening in these these tournaments but also i'm experienced as a streamer because very often when he plays these tournaments i stream on his uh his channel yeah i, I think the streaming and you have like something like thirty four thousand twitched followers last time i checked which is very impressive and obviously we'll just continue to grow um i i do think it's interesting also how like he has this like team of like the usual suspects like you know maria fiona and it is fun. It, it it does feel kind of like you're watching like ESPN, I guess. It's like your usual suspects, like inside the NBA. You know, it's always the same four guys, uh, and I th I think that's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I also uh, yeah, I I definitely enjoy covering the the tournaments for him. Because um, I, I if I would not be commentating, I would be following these events anyway. So I just basically get to have the the front seat at these top events. So that that's really cool. And yeah, I mean. It's been the, the same host uh, the last couple of tournaments, and I do enjoy you know covering it, uh, covering the tournaments with them. What's your What's your favorite thing about about doing commentary, especially at the high level? Yeah, what I yeah, kind of what I said. Like I like following these events, like I would do normally anyway, and I feel like maybe as a commentator, I I'm sort of forced to study the games more closely. So that is really what I enjoy, but also I think in a way, I remember Anish Giri once saying that as a commentator, you get to sort of um, write the, the narrative. So in a way that is a responsibility, but also a privilege to have. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I also think it's, uh, you know, unlike a lot of the, let's say the online commentators, you're also playing a top-level event. You just came back from Chennai a month ago, right? Uh, playing for the Netherlands. Um, I think that's uh, it's a very cool balance to strike. And regarding the Olympiad, um, I mean, you played, I think you played on board three or board four, right? Right, I played on I played on board four. And yeah, it is it is quite a challenge at times to, you know, to stream, to, to be commentator and to play uh, over the board as well. Um, Especially, you know, someone like Ikar, he he has a whole team set up for 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 commentators for people to get his YouTube running. But for the moment, I'm I'm kind of on my own in that sense right now. So maybe I should set up some something as well for for people to, uh, you know, maybe have commentary on, on my channel, or you know, someone who who gets my YouTube running when I'm away. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was great to play in the Olympiad because I like commentating, I like I like streaming, but it's not the same as competing over the board, right? I mean, that that really does give you more satisfaction, you know, when you win, and it feels like that's more the the real deal in a way. Uh, so it was it was nice to play. Uh, we had a good run after eight rounds. I believe we were in fourth place, so we definitely had our chance for a medal. But yeah, unfortunately, we weren't able to quite score in the last three uh, three rounds. How how did you feel about your own individual performance? Yeah, so I was doing pretty well for for a while. I, I felt like I should have done better because I was given a lot of whites. At some point, I had, I believe, five whites in a row, which was 
just due to well, luck, luck for me, because uh, I think I might have had one or two whites in a row because uh, the color switch or the color didn't switch. And at some point, also our board three player Erwin went in and out. So because I got a lot of whites in a row, um, but yeah, I felt like I should have scored more because I was winning against Hungary and I didn't win that game, and I. Um, I lost an unfortunate game against Serbia. So at the end, I, I ended up winning two points, but I felt like I should have won one, one more points. Did did you gain uh, did you gain rating? Overall? Yeah, I won I won two rating points. Yeah. That's 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 uh, top level chess, right? You know, you <laughs> tough tournament and two two Elo, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have uh, more plans to be over the board this year? Uh, yeah, I do want to play more over the board tournaments. I'll have to uh, see. They, there are these uh, classics in St. Louis, which are yeah perfect for my level because they generally have an average rating of like twenty six fifty. So you get to play around robin against really good opposition. So I, I I hope to play in those. I think they'll be really nice. And apart from that, I don't know yet. I mean, I'll play in the in the Chestercom Global Championship that's coming up pretty soon in uh, I believe two weeks. Um, but yeah, in terms of over the board chess, yeah, hopefully the the, the classics and um, I'll have to I'll have to see what else. The the global chess that's the first half is online, right? And then if you find if you're a finalist, then I think it's in Toronto or something, right? Yeah, no, uh, in the yeah uh, the the round of sixty four is going to start soon. The the last eight, as you mentioned, will be held in Toronto um so yeah for me it was it was great you know making it in the first place i played a lot of those qualifiers and actually only in the last one that was right before the olympiad i i made it so it felt like a big relief because a couple times i came like one time i came fourth didn't make it into the the playoff and also many other times i i was i i might have lost the last round and that that made me miss out um so yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited for this event it's basically like an online world cup and i've played three three world cups so so far so i do hope to use that experience even though it will be a bit different in the sense that it will just be a rapid match and not you know a two game two game classical match uh but but yeah i'm pretty excited for that yeah i mean i i, I assume like online rapid maybe is you have even more strengths there than over the board right yeah, no, I I think in a way I've become I've become more used to uh, rapid chess and especially online. So I do think that is a bit to my advantage. Is is twenty seven hundred like a goal you're actively shooting for right now? Well, not actively right now. I think I mean if I if I want to get there, I, I think I just have to sort of set steps on the way. Like first, you know, try to reach twenty six fifty. But it is something that I've. You know, it's not something I've given up on, let's say. You know, I do yeah. still want to try to make a push at some point in classical. Um, and I do feel like it is, I do feel like it's, of course, it's going to be difficult, but I don't feel like it's unrealistic. Uh, I mean, like I said, in the Olympiad, I felt like I could have scored better. And um, also, yeah, my teammates told me that, you know, they feel like I can do do better. It's, it's just that, yeah, I've been very busy lately. Um I've only graduated in May from my uh, bachelor's degree at St. Louis University, and I've been, you know, streaming a lot, doing, doing a lot of commentary. So I will have to take a bit of a break from from a lot of stuff at some point. But I do, I do want to make a comeback to to make a push in, in classical. For sure, yeah. Actually, my last published episode was also with uh, 
college student who's just getting into streaming. But obviously, you know, you're a workhorse streamer. Um, and you, you know, you were taking classes, I assume, and, you know, exams and all that. How, how are you balancing that? Yeah, so especially the the last half year, I mean, pretty much from from, let's say, um, January up till up till May when I graduated had been extremely busy for me because, as I mentioned, I was doing all those tournaments, you know, Tata Steel, all the Grand Prix, uh, playing also a lot of tournaments myself online and balancing that with school. So I basically just try to work as uh, as much as possible, I would say. And I don't uh, really get a lot of uh, breaks. I guess that's <laughs> that's just how, how I do it. And you just flew in like two days ago, right? Also from from was it from the Netherlands? Yeah, no, true. I was uh, yeah visiting my family over the summer, so that was nice. So you're not like jet lagged at all? <laughs> no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. It did take you know I it did take quite a bit of uh, it, it wasn't that easy getting set up to do the stream yesterday for Hikaru, and also it was lagging a little bit for a while, so so that got me worried. But fortunately, I managed to to figure it out at the end. But that that I would say is, is one of the big struggles or one of the big challenges from in, in streaming in the sense that, you know, it, it does seem like something you can do anywhere you want, but if you want to stream seriously and consistently, then you do need a, a good, good setup. Right. And, and you don't really want to stream from, from your laptop all the time while you're traveling. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I also think that that's, that's part of just making it professional too. And there's, there is like that big difference, right. If you will, uh, like how how the stream looks, of course. Why did you uh, why did you even start streaming, and how long have you been streaming? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I started streaming in the summer of 2020. I I believe it was like in the at the end, at the end of uh, of May of that year. Um, and yeah, I think basically just like a lot of other people, um, there wasn't much to do, and I really started enjoying watching Twitch streams. You know, the interaction and whatnot. And I figured like, okay, if I enjoy watching them why do i not try to be at the other end uh so that was one thing also i saw a lot of streamers become very successful such as you know hikaru the Bota sisters Chesbra. so you know i felt like okay why don't i give this a try myself and of course when i when i started it it you know it turns out you know streaming is is, is not easy to to grow um but yeah i'd say that that's you know the main reason why i uh why i started and I would say it took me a while to really get traction in, in the streaming world. But I would say, you know, late 2020 or early 2021 is when I started getting more and more followers and more viewers because I was doing these uh, Puzzle Rush survival uh, runs. Yeah, at those epic survival runs. Yeah, the, like legendary, absolutely legendary. Yeah, I think that's, those were the first things that I remember watching. And then, of course, you know, the World Championship, which the co commentary was was absolutely incredible, too. Um like bravo to you and Team Hikaru. Um, on the topic of, you know, Team Hikaru, I know Hikaru always says on his stream that, yeah, Chad, I'm I'm a professional streamer. This is my day job. You know, do you consider, you know, especially now that you finished college, do you consider yourself a professional streamer or a professional chess player? Uh, well, I don't consider myself a professional chess player, and that's basically because you know, uh, to to make money from chess, you have to be among the very best in the world. So I don't really. Make a lot of chess from from I don't really make a lot of money from playing, uh, so that that's really like the main reason why I don't consider myself a professional player. Um, I guess if you were to ask me right now, I guess I would say I'm mostly a chess commentator because that's what I do the majority of the time 
these days. And yeah, I think with Icaro, it's a bit of a meme these days because in a way, of course, he he's not playing a lot of over the board chess anymore. But, you know, when he's streaming, he's playing chess, right? So so not a whole lot has changed in in a way for him. He's just doing what he's always done because he's always loved playing online uh, Blitz chess, but he's found a way to effectively monetize it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm a professional player. I would say I'm a yeah commentator or, or streamer. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would, I I think that is um, it's definitely interesting. Also, like with the I wonder how the whole commentary scene is going to change with this Chess.com Chess Twenty Four merger. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm very curious what to, what's going to happen there as well because there was of course a bit of a divide in chess.com tournaments and the chess 24 tournaments and i kind of hope that those champions chess tour events are going to open up a little bit more to the to a bigger pool of players because i felt like even though um you know they were they were trying to invite other players besides the top 10 or top 20 it, it often ended up being the same players and in, in my in my opinion. So, and what I liked about the chess.com tournaments was that there was always a qualification cycle. You know I mean? If you play in the rep chess championship, you, you have to make the top eight, right? Um, so it felt more, more fair in a way. Uh, so I, I do hope that, yeah, more, more opportunities open up and, and maybe, you know, uh, there will be like qualifiers to those champion store events. Uh, but it's a good question because there will be some commentators from coming over from chess 24 that might, do more chess.com tournaments now. So I don't know how that is gonna gonna play out, but I think it should be good in general for the for the chess world. Is there anything that you yourself like would like to see change in like the chess media landscape now that we're kind of in this like watershed moment? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I just hope to see more, I just hope to see Magnus playing in more more events, like having him seeing him play in the Rep Chess Championship or the Speed Chess Championship. I think that's going to be really cool. I think a lot of people for a long time have wanted to see, you know, a big match between Magnus and Hikari. You know, like let's say they play uh, a 100 game, 100 game 3-0 blitz match to just finally, you know, set it all, you know, who's the who's the best. Yeah. I mean, he played title Tuesday last week or something and you actually finished ahead of both him and Hikaru. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Yeah, I uh, I titled my video, I beat uh, Magnus and Hikaru in title Tuesday and a few people didn't, didn't like that. They were like, oh, you're clickbaiting us. Um, but yeah, that was, that was nice that, um, uh, yeah, they were, they were both playing in that title too soon. I don't think clickbait is bad. Like if it's not <laughs> like actively harmful, like I don't think clickbait is bad. It's gotta be, you know, it's not wrong what you said. You did like finish ahead of them. You did beat them right in the standings. So yeah, exactly. Get smoked. Standings. Losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever played, uh, have you ever played Magnus in, in Blitz or suspect you play Magnus in Blitz? Yes, yeah, so I've played Magnus in the World <laughs> Rapid Championship in 2016 in Doha, Qatar. And I've also played him in a title Tuesday in 2017. So um yeah, I've played him, I've played him twice. Well he hasn't he but it's been five years, you know. He's not he's not ready for you know the to get bucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I've uh, I've become better in, in online blitz, especially you know during the during the pandemic because before it was not something I was doing a whole lot. Um but I've I've definitely become better. So I would be curious to see how I would do against him, you know, in a in a match. 
you know, I think you're probably the strongest Blitz player I've ever had on the podcast. Uh, I've had like some strong Grandmasters. I had Anish. I mean, I, I think Anish is also like something like 3,000 on Chess.com Blitz or something on a good day. But like you also, you see every now and then like you have these FMs and IMs who are like also like 2,900, 3,000, right? So I guess what I'm wondering is, is there any kind of secret sauce to become like a super strong like online Blitz player that you need? Um, It is a good question. I, I wouldn't say there's anything, there's any special recipe to it. Um, I think to become good at Blitz, you just have to, to play it a lot. And eventually you'll figure out how, you know, how the game works, so to speak, you know, what, what works and what doesn't, uh, for me, what was a big thing that held me back for a long time was that I wasn't really that experienced with the mouse, you know, cause like I said, I really got into online chess or online Blitz chess uh, during the pandemic, but there's also players like you know Naroditsky, Hikaru, who, who have been addicted to online blitz ever <laughs> since they were you know 10 years old. Yeah. And they know all the tricks in the book, you know, and they're so so fast. Like I don't think I'll ever get to Naroditsky's speed. You know, he's one of the, the fastest in the world. But I do think I've become a little bit faster. And also I discussed it once with him. You know, in those time scrambles, it it's generally a, a mental thing. Right. Like if you're both under let's say five seconds, then or under three seconds or whatever, you just have to pre-move. You have to completely switch off thinking and you just have to, well, turn on the the the, the generacy mode is what I would call it. Yeah, you, you know, just become full just, degen. Yeah. Yeah, full degen and just spam the mouse. It is so kind I think of, that's it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like if like when I watch Naroditsky, like his, uh, he does these like speed runs, right? Because I'm, right now his speed run is about like where I'm at in terms of chess level and rapid and, you know, he'll be talking sometimes, like, he gets down to a minute, he's talking, whatever, and he's like, oh, guys, I have a minute, I'm fine. He gets down to 30 <laughs> seconds, the that's five minutes, he's just like, beep, 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 like, <laughs> looking around. Yeah, I have this, like, weak, like, see Logitech Pebble. This isn't some mm -hmm. pro gamer mouse, but I feel like that's this is what's holding me back in Blitz. Not my lack of understanding of the game, it's this, like, bad mouse. I'm going to blame the mouse now, so thanks right. for that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, at some point, I also got a, got another mouse, like a real gaming mouse. But I think, to be honest, when I reach my peak, just a rating, which is like which is three thousand thirty eight, I think I was still using an old mouse, not a not a gamer's mouse. So, it I think it it, it does matter, of course, uh, but not you know too much. Of, of course, in bullet, it's it's a big deal, right? How fast your mouse is. Um, and besides that, I would say well, what generally helps is if you know your openings well, you know, if you have certain lines, which you know inside and out, that, that generally helps because you, so you can, you know, easily throw out the first, you know, a couple of moves and put your opponent on the, on, under pressure right from the beginning. Yeah, I've seen like two different approaches to online blitz. I've seen like the system based, I know like Hikaru loves this like Knight F3, like E3, C4 nonsense that just, he always ends up just getting some like pawn tension and. I, I, yeah, I, I find that, you know, that whole system there. But then there's also, like, these kinds of simple openings that you can just kind of repeat again and again. Like, I don't know, like, which one you follow. Yo, I try to play... Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really see myself as a system player, you know, in, in Online Blitz. I try to, you know, play, play normal openings and just, you know, try to put my opponents under pressure right from the, from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm more of a player that that plays normal openings instead of someone who's trying to avoid theory altogether. Yeah, so you're not playing like B3 or like G6, Knight F6, like uh, like Ikaru, like against everybody. He doesn't really do no, that all no. the time anymore, actually. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. No, no. I would say I play. Yeah. Normal, normal openings. I feel like if I would play, you know, one B three, I don't think I would be as good in, in online blitz. Interesting. Do you think that like you know all this grinding you've done in blitz has helped your over the board play at all? Um, I do think it helped a little bit. I think it made me more conscious of you know how important the the clock is in a way. You know, being ahead on on the clock, even in let's say classical, it does put pressure on your opponents. And I guess it did make me trust my instincts more because that's that's all you have to do. Like in Blitz, you have to trust in your instincts, right? You have to constantly move. And so it, it gives you more confidence in classical to also just make a move in, you know, um, just just a minute or, or two minutes or, you know, like 30 seconds or whatever. So I think that definitely helped. I would say, though, that sometimes I feel like maybe it... In a way, like one thing that that's uh, that there might be a challenge is that in online blitz, when you have a winning position and you're up on the clock, then sometimes it just doesn't matter anymore. Or you you just have to make moves and you you're gonna win the game anyway because your opponent's low on time, and that might give you like that might install a bad habit in you for classical because in classical it it really isn't over until you've won the game, right? Even if your opponent is low low on time, there will always be you know, 30 seconds of increment. So I think that that is something that um, that that's challenging at times. And also, I think in terms of, of calculation, that that can also be a challenge for players who who play a lot of online blitz because you you of course, it trains your quick tactics and your intuition, um, but you don't really train calculation because there's no time to calculate. And so sometimes it can be tough to really sit down and really try to invest you know um like really try to go to the root of the position and find the best move i also think uh something you know i've really only been following top level chess the last four years and as i've gotten better as a chess player myself and i've started playing like over the board seriously like there's this like one aspect where you have two hours right but if you spend an hour on like a deep think obviously you could speak to this much better than i can but like if you spend an hour in a deep think, it's even if you have like plenty of time left to make moves, it kind of like disrupts the momentum. Whereas in Blitz is just like you kind of like automatic. You have to be automatic, even if it's a bad move. You're just like okay, automatic, and just try to be solid. Yeah, no, for sure. I think yeah, you make a good point that like if you spend a lot of time on one move, even though you might still have you know um, like forty minutes or thirty minutes after that, it does hurt your momentum and. and not only do you spend a lot of time, you also spend a lot of energy and it will also make the opponent more confident and they can think on your turn. And sometimes what happens if a player thinks very long on their moves is that their opponent will start thinking on your time. And it can create this very unpleasant dynamic where, you know, you think for a couple minutes about a move and your opponent has already figured out their reply and that way they can really keep the pressure on you. And that that's really, that can be really annoying to deal with in classical. I guess uh, while we're on the topic of classical, two questions. But I'll start with this one. Like, what's what's the thing that you like or hate the most about classical, or if you have any strong feelings about classical chess, especially as it seems like you are playing more classical events now than before. Yeah. So one thing I really dislike, I would say, is the logistics. Because you know, when uh, when uh, when I played in the Olympiad in India, I mean, it was a, it was a long flight there. Then every day you have to travel to the playing hall. I mean, we had to leave the hotel one hour before the round. Um, and uh, yeah, so so definitely the logistics. And another thing is 
it just feels like it takes also it it takes of course a lot of uh, a lot of time like the olympia took two weeks um but also games itself it feels a bit weird in a way that like you said someone can spend an hour on one move and of course the opponent will have the advantage but it's still not too big of a deal so that does seem a bit odd to me um but and and then again i guess also in a way preparation has become such a big factor these days that it's not anymore where you where you sit down and just play the game but in a way I what what I do like about classical is that in in classical the, it's it's really the the chess on the board that that matters you know and if you if you win a game it, it does really feel feel good if you for example manage to grind out your opponent in a long end game um, whereas you know in blitz or in rapid you know you you try to play a good game as well but very often it just ends up being a time scramble where you know weird stuff happens and in classical that's not really that's generally not the case, right? You, you, it does feel really good to win a classical game where you you slowly but surely build up your advantage, and then finally finish off your your opponent. Yeah, classical games definitely feel less like superficial in that way. Right. Um, you mentioned the logistics uh, in India, and you also mentioned preparation. So you didn't really get the pairings until a couple hours, maybe the night before the next day. Were you doing like? serious prep while you were in India or were you like also another thing I wondered um my friend Lula played for Jersey women's team and she was always you know putting some videos like on her Instagram about like uh traveling to the uh traveling to the playing hall like on the bus and I know some teams had like shared buses or something like I saw Carissa Yip would like sit with Fabiano Caruana or something which is funny um I guess what I'm why I'm asking this is like were you doing any prep on the bus <laughs> um I generally wasn't, you know, because there's there's a lot of time to prepare because the pairing comes out around, let's say, 10 in the evening. So generally what I would do is look real quick what my potential opponent will do, because in the evening, you don't know who you're going to play. You know the team you're going to play. And sometimes it's like 99% sure who you're going to play. But sometimes you do just have to wait until the pairing comes out in the morning. Uh, but yeah, I did have, uh, I was very fortunate that in the Dutch team, Whoever was given a rest day was generally very uh, uh, was generally of, of great help during preparation. And also, I had another friend at home who uh, uh, Lucas van Verest, who was helping was helping a lot with in terms of preparation, um, especially you know during the the night. I would say when I was sleeping, so I was fortunate enough to have that. So generally, when I left, uh, when I went onto the bus, I generally just try to you know uh, relax. Right, because I've I've just done a lot of preparation and I just took the time to like not take a full full nap but but nap a little bit and uh, just get ready for the round. I do have to say that for the last round there wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare, so I yeah there was a really with... weird that was crazy yeah. that was so dumb. I'm sorry to the organizers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it seemed like a really well organized for the most part, but that was just ridiculous. Yeah, 10 a.m. does seem quite early, especially given the fact that people have to leave an hour early for the round. Um, so for that round, I did take my phone with me on the bus and reviewed some some lines. Oh, so normally you wouldn't even take your phone on the bus? No, I would just leave it in the hotel. No no music? You're not cranking any tunes on the bus? No, I would just try to try to relax. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the team dynamic like also? Because I, I, I assume that you know Anish and Erwin and Jordan like pretty well and I also I forget who who I think Max Swarmadam right also was the yeah I see I remember the scoop Anisha I remember he told me the whole whole team 
back in May or something? Yeah, no, the, the team dynamic was really good. I mean, we've known each other for, for many years already. So I think that was, yeah, definitely a good good thing in our, in our team. And yeah, I mean, it's it's always, you know, nice hanging out with these guys. Um, yeah, because they're, they're my friends, but also to just discuss chess with them. And I feel like it's definitely beneficial to be, you know, around strong chess players and, you know, discuss openings or discuss the games that, that have been going on. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, you know, our time with the Dutch team there. What was your what was your favorite uh, win in the Olympiad? Because I think you, 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 like you said, you finished plus two, right? Uh, or maybe yeah, it was well, a favorite finished, draw. Or um, let me think. I think my favorite win of the tournament, it was probably against... I mean, probably against France, because because my win we saved the the match, and it's always pretty satisfying when you when you score an important win for the team. Um, but besides that, I also really like the way I uh, I won my game against um, against Canada because we had I we ended up in a Rukan game where I was better, but he might have been able to draw, but I I kept the pressure on him and. Eventually, I, I managed to uh, to squeeze out the win. So the, those are the wins that I enjoy the most, to be honest. And that one felt like a clean game for for the most part. So I would say my games against uh, Canada and France. And Anish also he, he got one of the chess bras pretty good in that Canada match. That I would not really. It was a kind of a funny funny situation. But I mean, you saw that over the board, didn't you? Yeah, I was there because I was still playing my game, and I was kind of confused as to what was happening because. At some point, you know, I reached the, the time control, so I went away from the board. And then when I came back, I saw that they, they stopped the clock and they were talking to the arbiter. And Eric's clock was showing uh, 30 minutes and I believe 28 seconds. And um, yeah, they were discussing and talking for a long time. But as I was, I was thinking, like, there, I was just thinking, like, there, there's just no way he did not lose on time, right? Because if you lose on time, then your clock will show 30 minutes. And, and then it might, yeah, yeah, 30, 30. And so he thought for two seconds and then played his move. And that's why it showed 30, 28, I think. I mean, I had not seen what what happened, but I mean, that's the only explanation. Did you guys get to enjoy Chennai a little bit? I know you, everybody came a little early. The hotel room view looked pretty good on your Twitter. Um <laughs> <laughs> I saw that whole thing. Yeah, with Anish, Anish wasn't too too happy. Uh, Anish wasn't too happy about that. Um, but yeah, to be honest, that that's one thing that's sometimes a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't want to use. It's it's a bit sad in a way about chess because you you travel the world, but you don't really get to see a whole lot of the of the city. And generally, it's just you know you you arrive at the at the airport, you go to the hotel, then you go to the playing hall, you go back to the the hotel, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Unfortunately, not not really. I mean, yeah, actually, yeah, not really at all. Although, then again, would you rather like chase the GM title as a you know teenager in Europe or in America? I mean, um, I would say rather in in Europe. Yeah, for me, that's like no question. Yeah. I think Europe is. I mean, I was in like last year over ten months. I think twelve countries in Europe, and uh, also a lot of them were just a couple of day trips, pretty superficial. But you know, I. I think it's really amazing. And then meanwhile in America, except for a couple of clubs, I mean, you have to bring your own, bring your own board and pieces. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about that as a, you know, recruited college chess player. 
Yeah, no, there's definitely more of a chess culture in, in Europe. I've never played a tournament where you had to bring your own board, but I, I definitely think that would be a weird experience. But um, yeah, generally, I, I do enjoy playing in Europe uh, more. Generally, there's also one round a day. And I was thinking about it because there, there, there's, of course, also a lot of tournaments that have two rounds a day. But I think that kind of defeats the purpose of, of classical chess because I think, you know, uh, rapid and blitz chess to me is more exciting to watch but what i like about classical is the quality of play right i mean the players they they prepare seriously for the round they come with some some really nice opening ideas and you really get to see good chess but if you have tournaments that have two rounds a day then there's not a lot of time to prepare the players the, the quality of play will drop so it kind of defeats the purpose in that way uh so yeah i i generally do enjoy tournaments more that have uh, one round a day yeah, I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, I've never played two classical games in a day. I think I would probably just fall asleep like on the floor after. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, you did mention that you just graduated from St. Louis University, degree in finance. Congratulations, sir. Uh, that's really cool. Thank you. And um, why did why did you decide to play college chess in the first place? Uh, or like, how did that come about? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, after I graduated from high school, I decided to to focus on on chess and uh, of course, primarily, uh, of course, especially playing at that time. Um, and I believe I, I first got approached by St. Louis University in 2016, but I wasn't too interested at that point. Um, Cause yeah, I still wanted to focus on, on, you know, playing, you know, trying to play more, more tournaments. Um, and eventually I made a decision to go in, in 2018 and yeah, it was just really because at that time, you know, there weren't as many opportunities in chess. It really felt like, you know, you have to be 2,700 and, and then you you can make a living off of playing. Uh, but if, if you don't get there, then there isn't, there aren't yeah, too many opportunities. So it definitely felt like the, the right decision at that time, given the also the fact that, you know, I, I, so so that is really one big factor. But another big factor for me was also that I also felt like I wanted to develop my, myself more in other aspects, you know, instead of just like, it didn't really feel normal to only think about chess all the time, right? I felt like I also, you know, wanted to develop myself in other areas of life. And um, in a way, you know, moving to another country is of course a big challenge, but I think it, it definitely, you know, helped me uh, in many ways as well. I mean, I, I think my English has, has improved ever since I moved to St. Louis. And uh, just, you know, um, the challenge of holding yourself in in another place on your own is also, um, is also I don't know the word, but it, it definitely helps you in life as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much the main reason why I went and also the, the scholarship that they, that they offered me was, was pretty good. Um, that being said, I mean, if I, let's say the, the chess economy is, let's say, the, I mean, if you had and, known it would be the, like this now, right? I think yeah. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. If six yeah, years later, yeah, that's you what, what I was that. trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I mean, that's opportunities life, right? from, yeah, indeed, indeed, that's life. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, streaming didn't really exist back then. I know that the, the, the chess bros were really pioneering in those days and he car was doing, a, was doing it a little bit as a side hustle. Um, so that wasn't necessarily there, you know, and also, you know, there weren't as many, many tournaments that, you know, to commentate on or, or stuff like that. So, yeah, there, there weren't as many opportunities back then. 
Yeah, I'm actually uh, going to be in St. Louis next week for the Sinkfield Cup. Uh, I think the playing hall is closed, so it's probably stupid for me to do it. It's like a two and a half hour drive each way. But I was like, you know, if I get the chance, my goal is to get a picture with Magnus and then put on my Twitter that like, oh, he's a huge fan of the podcast and, uh, you know, <laughs> farm farm him for clicks. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to go down there for a day. Uh, what do you think about St. Louis, both as like just a city and also as like a chess city? Because it's obviously become a huge chess city. Yeah, of course, for chess, there there's a lot of tournaments here. Uh, well, especially for, for the top players, though. And it's also nice that there are, you know, tournaments, like I said, the classics for my level. Um, so that is definitely very nice. Um, apart from that, there isn't that much to do in St. Louis. So that is a big uh, that is a big disadvantage of living here. So you don't think it's a, it's worth a five hour round trip? Well, I think I think you should I think you should uh, come and visit. Uh, well, the thing is, there's enough to do for for like a day, you know. But after that, it, it'll it'll become a bit boring. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a picture with the arch and uh, and uh, maybe hang out with some people I know in the chess world at night, and then promptly head home. Uh, so that that's kind of my plan. And by the way, if anyone listening to this podcast is in St. Louis next weekend, hit my line. My DMs are always open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know. I guess uh, last thing I want to ask you is uh, you mentioned you. So I mean, I was reading, you know, I do my homework on this podcast, contrary to popular belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you've won some very interesting tournaments. You won the Pro Chess League in 2019. I think it was with Fabi on the team, actually. St. Louis Archbishops, I think. Right. Um, yeah. We haven't seen the Pro Chess League on a side note in a, in a while. I And it needs to come back. I really love that. Uh, I love that tournament. That was one of the things that really got me into uh, into online chess, I should say. Yeah, no, the Pro Chess League, uh, yeah, was a lot of fun, especially winning it in 2019 because we had to, we were playing the finals in person, um, and yeah, the I think that the Pro Chess League was there also the years after. Um, in 2021, it was a little bit odd in the sense that it was just uh, pushed into into one week, right? Whereas, as you mentioned before, in 2019, it was an, an entire season. Um, but I believe it is coming back. Thank in God. 2023, I, I don't know if I can say too much about it, but but it is coming back in uh, in early 2023. So that'll be pretty exciting. And again, I don't think I can reveal too much, but I I know that they're changing the format, so uh, it, it should be uh, should be fun. I'm just waiting to buy my New York Marshals merch and uh, you know support my team. I don't know. I don't. I I don't really have like uh, too much stake in the game, but I am from New York City, so. There, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, but I mean, also you've played the World Cup three times. Uh, are you trying to play the World Cup in 2023? Yeah, I do want to qualify, uh, so I will have to, you know, figure out how. Probably through the European Championship that will be held, I believe, in March of 2023. Because so, so when I played in 2017, I, I qualified through the European Championship, and the same in 2019. When I played in 2021, I was fortunate fortunate enough that the Netherlands was given another spot because Jordan had moved up so much that he got one of the rating spots. So then I could get the, the Federation spot. Um, so we'll have to see how that's going to play out for 2023. I mean, first of all, question is whether Jordan will qualify in the first place on rating. But even as he, even if he does, you know, I mean, Max has moved up the rankings. Uh, I'm pretty much around the same rating as, as Erwin Lamy as well. So it's definitely not a given that I would get the Federation spot in that case. So I, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try to qualify through the, through the European championship because, 
yeah, I've always enjoyed playing in the in the World Cup, but again, it, that really feels like the you know the like I said the real the real deal. Yeah, it's a pretty cool event, I think. And also, it's there's question marks about where it could be held too. I heard maybe South Korea, and it's supposed to be in June. Mm. I think South Korea is submitting a bid. That would be really cool. Yeah, uh, actually, my coach is playing in the World Cup. He qualified with the European Championship oh, awesome. in March. Yeah, so that that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty epic to 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 watch. Um, and I mean, it's it is one of those things like you just you gotta just kind of get it going at the right time, and good things will happen. Um, right. Yeah, actually. So you mentioned something. You mentioned Max and and Jordan and all these guys. Obviously, like you, I mean, as far as I know, is what you said, right? Like, uh, like you're good friends with those guys for many years. You've known them for a long time. But how does that kind of, you know, you guys are also ambitious chess players. You're trying to end up in playing tournaments. How does that kind of balance out? Is it just, you know, the chess is the chess, and and the friendship and the memories is something else? Like, how do you actually approach that? Uh, I know at the highest level, like I know this, all the top players say, oh, none of us are really friends, but they they know each other pretty well. They must. If you see the same faces for like 10, 15 years, right? You, you, maybe it's not friends, but it's something. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think that the, for the top players, it's definitely a different dynamic because they play each other all the time. And in the Dutch national team, we, we don't really play each other that much. So um, it, it really isn't too much of a thing. Of course, against every, like everyone has, has played games against each other. And there might be something that's at the at the back of your mind at times, you know. Um, but but I wouldn't say it's something that that affects you. I mean, I would say we're we're just yeah, like I said, good friends, and yeah, we don't really play each other a lot. So it's not like we really have to hide preparation from each other. We generally just you know share opening ideas. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say it's it's something that that hurts our friendship. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that the final thing I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get to my audience get to know you a little better. What's your what's your favorite game that you've ever played? Uh it's a game in which I beat Hikaru in Isle of Man of 2016. Oh, is it, oh, so it was a classical game you beat him? You ever rub that yep. in? He tells you like Bach. No, no. I feel like that would be kind of rude, you know, if I'm if I'm on a stream and then I, I throw it in there some sometime. <laughs> but I've I've made a YouTube video about it, but I mean I can't like I don't know how else I could milk it out you know hikaru says like hey can you like do another day it's like haha fine but only because i beat you in uh you know isle of man 2016 so now we're even or something like that no no but but if they <laughs> if they like when i'm doing commentary on his chat and then people uh if people don't read like i don't know if the chat is being annoying then i might throw that in there you know to to, to tell him like hey you guys I, I can also i can also play yeah exactly of course. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's the next tournament that you plan to play aside maybe from the classics? Yeah, probably the classics. Uh, I mean, right now I don't know yet, so I'll have to figure out my uh, agenda. Um, yeah, I'll play in the I'll play in the Chess.com Global Championship, so that's definitely on my mind right now. But besides that, I don't I don't know. I don't really have anything planned right now. Well, yeah, man. Well, best of luck with those with the Global Chess Championship. I'll be rooting for you, um, and I. I will still be tweeting from the Bach Market Wave account. Uh, it's not even for me anymore. It's for the fans because apparently, you know, there's some people who are like, they like the tweets. So keep it going. But yeah, we, uh, Microwave Gang is uh, is rooting for you. And uh, seriously, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I want to thank my sponsor, Chessable, for sponsoring the, the podcast. Didn't really get to uh, say much about him, but uh, 
appreciate you guys. You the best. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Be back with another episode soon. Some uh, some great stuff in the works. So stay tuned. Keep uh, keep listening, and I'll see you guys next week.